Mission Log Supplemental. Number 11. The one with Nichelle Nichols. Welcome in to another episode of Mission Log. I'm Ken Ray, and let me just say... Ah! Whoa, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, hang on, hang on. Hello, hello, hello. I'm, I'm John Champion, and Hi. Ken, what, what are you doing? Well, I'm, 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 I'm freaked out, John. We're flying blind here. What do you mean? We got no ship. We got no helmsman. We got no science officer. Uh, we, we got no episode of Star Trek this week. Well, all of that is true. We do actually have a communications officer. Well, that is something. Do me a favor. Have him or her get Starbase 200 on the phone. Okay, because okay. we're we're like, I I don't even know. All right, we, we, we will work on that, definitely, for, for your sake. Um, it is true, we're, uh, we're between missions right now, but not unlike a good Starship crew, there's plenty to do between Planet A and Planet B. Uh, here's what we have for you, our listeners, over the next few episodes. Next week, the TOS recap. The week after that, a great interview with Richard Arnold. Uh, after that, we start the animated series. This week, though, Nichelle Nichols. She sat down with us for an extended interview, and she was fantastic. Am I right? Yes. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm embarrassed, actually, that I forgot that that's what we... Oh, is my face red? Let's, let's <laughs> pretend you can see it, and, and we'll agree that it is. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nichelle sat down with us to talk about all things Star Trek, and uh, she was really generous with her time. I want to mention that uh, you may hear a little more room noise in this episode than you would normally hear. And uh, picture, if you will, because this is sort of theater of the mind, there's Nichelle uh, sitting across a table. She is festooned in jewelry. She is fabulous and dramatic, and she is gesturing as we talk. And when I listen back to this interview, that's what I hear. So the, the little rattle in the background of the jewelry and all this, it, it's just great. And um, I, I'm still just sort of mesmerized by her. Um, we have one more bit of business before we get to Nichelle. We're so happy to welcome Connected Data, the makers of Transporter, back as a sponsor for this week's show. You and I have both had Transporters for a while. I'm curious, uh, what is, what, what's your favorite feature? Uh, my favorite thing is that I have this beautiful piece of glowing technology on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> is that really it? Oh, God, no, no. Are, I mean, aside from so it, form over function, it's crazy. I know. No, aside from it looking very cool, um, I think a lot of people don't know that we actually use Transporter in the production of this show because we can share files very quickly, very easily, and securely on opposite ends of the country and it's sort of like owning your own Dropbox. Yeah. It's very, very cool. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, actually. My favorite part of the whole thing is the fact that you can access your stuff wherever you are and that's if you... Well, I, I, I'm an Apple-centric person, so I know that's true for an iPhone, an iPad, or a computer. As long as you have an internet connection, as long as your transporter is on wherever it lives, and it doesn't have to live where you live. I mean, as mm -hmm. long as it's on wherever it lives and has an internet connection and you have one. You can access content that's uh, that's stored on your transporter. And the other thing that I like about it is you do that without the recurring fee. Yes. Um, you mentioned Dropbox. Uh, 100 gigabytes of storage on Dropbox will run you like 99 bucks a year. Runs me 99 bucks a year. Um, if you already have a drive that you want to use, they have this little transporter. It's 99 bucks. And 
it basically, as you said, turns that hard drive that you have or that storage device that you have into your own personal cloud. So you don't have to worry about other people having access to it, and you also don't have to pay again and again and again to use the storage. It's 99 bucks for one time. That little thing is called the Transporter Sync. Now, if you want a bigger one, they have um, they have um, uh, one terabyte or two terabyte uh, transporters um, that you can uh, buy the drives from connected data. It's two hundred forty nine dollars uh, for a one terabyte transporter, which is like less than one time one year for five hundred gigabytes of storage on Dropbox. Like five hundred gigabytes of storage on Dropbox is something like five hundred bucks a year. Yeah. Or you can spend two hundred fifty bucks one time for one terabyte, and you know. That that's your one time cost, and you got it. So, I mean, more so, storage, more security, one time fee. Those are those are some of the things I like about it. So, what, what we're saying is that there are just a ton of benefits to owning a transporter. Not the least of which is that you get to own a device called a transporter, yeah. <laughs> which you know, then you get to say, "Yeah, I own a transporter." Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I'm cool with you. Can, you. Yeah, but you can learn all about it at filetransporterstore.com. Check out the models and offers they have available. Uh, Then when you decide to buy one, buy it at a discount. Offer code MLOG, M-L-O-G, will get you 10% off your order. All caps, no spaces, M-L-O-G. And get 10% off when you buy your transporter at filetransporterstore.com. Come with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you've really got nothing to lose. Beam yourself to filetransporter.com store.com to find out more transporter storage and sharing made simple and secure brought to you by connected data and uh, we do seriously thank them for supporting mission log so listeners of mission log uh, here we are with another supplemental episode but it is not just any other supplemental episode i'm can i'm kind of giddy with excitement because seated not three feet in front of me is nichelle nichols how cool is that i'm sitting here uh, with i'm sitting here with a hurricane yeah i know i know yeah it's cool it's it, and <laughs> it's a pleasure for me to to be able to speak to her although you know i'm not i'm not sitting right there you'll have to take a You'll have to get a picture of the two of you, but leave a little space on the other side of Michelle, and I'll just I'll put myself in the picture All later. Right. All right. <laughs> Got it. So a- as we do on the Mission Log Supplementals, it- it's free form, and we get to do whatever we want to do, and we thought that it would be so fantastic to have Michelle here and be able to talk about kind of the big picture Star Trek uh, stuff. Uh, talk about some of the the issues and the morals and and what happened, and just find out about her journey getting into this show. So I, I think we just have to start at the beginning, and I, I want to ask you how you found out about Star Trek, and then how you got the role of Uhura. What was your first inkling of Star Trek? Did you know Gene Roddenberry? I wish then I had. Would have known. <laughs> <laughs> Um, about three years before Star Trek, um, Gene did a series called The Lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And um, I went for an interview with a young male actor because it was uh, uh, going to be the series about uh, the two of them, two, two interviews. Uh, of African-American descent and his life um, 
in the service, and they were to get married, and then this came up, and he got transferred. And um, she agreed to follow him. She had her own career and everything, and this was a big choice. And so, but she loved him, and they were going, and they were about to be married, and so she she did. She she loved with him, and that caused some problems with their <clears throat> relationship, and then how they um, worked it out, uh, along with the problems that he faced in the new uh, uh, army location. And it was so, it was, wasn't the ordinary kind of story. Of course, Jean never did anything ordinary. <laughs> and I got cast in, in that. That was the first time I'd met Jean Roddenberry. And, um, and then we did something else, and then we did something else, you know. And he... He always remembered me. Then I didn't see him for a long while, and somebody said, I was going to Europe. I mean, like tomorrow I was going to Europe. And then Gene called, and he said, um, uh, come and meet with me. I have something that's probably more interesting than going to Europe. And I said, it, <laughs> it better be big because... Europe is my favorite place to get out of, of um, America for. You know, that's the only thing that can get me out of here. And so we made it for, I think, that same afternoon or the next morning or something like that. And he said, well, you're not going to Europe. You're going to be in this show. And he the only reason he had me, like, really come in, it wasn't to read at all. It was for everybody else to meet me. Oh. And he had already decided and cast me. <laughs> My agent didn't tell me that, although he knew it. Uh, and um, that, that was that. Did you have any inkling what you were getting into? Did he say, this is what it's about, or this is what you're going to be doing? Did you have any idea what you're getting into? Never. It it was quite something going through it. And um, because I was going, that was it. I was going to New York. And I came in and said, well, um, of course I can't do this uh, because I'm going to New York. And Gene Roddenberry said, no, you're not. (laughs) So he had a pretty positive opinion of his show, yes, yeah. and you must have had a lot of trust. Just a, a, a lot of trust. Yeah. And you can't say no to Gene Roddenberry. And, of course, I didn't go to New York. I did something called Star Trek, and he had created uh, – and then he created the role. The role was kind of okay. And then from there, uh, now that he's got me, you know – uh, he just developed it uh, from from there, and uh, and I loved the role so much. And I had um, was giving the honor of donating what I thought to it. So it was truly my my role. He had a wonderful way of listening to you, um, 
and allowing your talent to be in there without taking over, you know. And that's why everybody loved working with him, uh, because you felt responsible to it and part of it because you are in it. You know, I mean, you're, you're literally involved in development of the character. You said that you you got to have influence over your role as Uhura, and you <laughs> said that you, you had a good relationship in working with Gene. Now, in the process of doing our show, we also hear about the people who did not have a great experience <laughs> working with Gene. I wonder if you could present kind of that, that dual nature, some of that contrast. I think that was probably part of his greatest strength is because you didn't just love and adore everything that he said. But if you disagreed with Gene, you'd better have a dang good uh, reason and argument for it. And if you did, he gave you the respect of of why he said no, or, wow, that's good, let's use it. Can I ask you a little bit of what that dynamic was like? You know, So when you were there on set and you said that you got to give some influence, did you find yourself going to Gene? Did you find yourself uh, kind of making allies out of people like Gene Kuhn, Herb Solo, Bob Justman? You know, did, did you primarily go to Gene Roddenberry and say, hey, oh, I want to do well, this? I, or? I, before Star Trek, I had worked worked for Gene before. Right, right. Okay, so Gene came first. May I ask a question? I know, I mean, you jokingly said uh, earlier that you had no idea what you were getting into <laughs> as, far as, as far as how big it was going to be. Uh, a lot of what we do is we sort of, we look at, well, we always say, we look at the messages and the morals and sort of the philosophy. And I'm wondering, was there a consciousness of that during the show or like if you got a script, I mean, was there ever any discussion of, you know, here's sort of, here's sort of the big thinking on this or was it, okay, well, which page am I on? Oh, never. What page am I on? Well, I'm, I'm, um, forgive me. I'm being, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm being a, a little shorthand there. I apologize. But I mean, was there an air of, of, of sort of this, I don't know, sort of this philosophy being laid out or, or, or these big ideas being laid out every week? Uh, the man was bigger than life, and but he dealt with you um, on, on a common level, and he never talked down to you or thought down to you. In this case, uh, TV series and became, you know, bigger than life. Um, he gave you the respect to to disagree. Um, he always got his way, though. But <laughs> as anybody who knew him knows. <laughs> but he allowed your input um, uh, to uh, to you uh, for you to express what it was that you were saying, and he many times incorporated that. So you'd better be dang good at what you're and 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 qualified to argue with him because he could argue and he he, he, 
he liked nothing better than a good fight. <laughs> but he was a powerful, powerful man. And um, you, you benefited from every encounter at, or an altercation that you had with him. Because if you had a good argument, um, it wasn't an argument for the sake of arguing. It mm-hmm. was for the sake of what do you know what you're talking about or do you know. Uh, if, if you could prove to him that your argument uh, was as good or, or added to what he wanted to do or accomplish, uh, you were respected. You, he, he respected uh, people he worked with. And the longer you worked with him, he didn't have to like you or you didn't have to like him. He didn't dismiss uh, where you were coming from. He, he respected it. And he either used it this time or later, and he confront and he he um, consulted with you, and that was uh, something unheard of at that time from a producer or director, especially directors. Um, and so, you know, it's either it's my way or the highway, and that's not the way he was. Even if he didn't um, um, use what you had to say, you always knew you were uh, respected for your involvement in it. And he respected uh, that highly um, uh, because it gave him new ideas. And, and I, I, I'd catch him... Um, even if he didn't use it this time, he would he could inevitably come back to you know when we had that idea when you had that idea, we didn't use it then, but what about something like that? He always had you not just the actor reading and uh, something on the page, but you were you were part of it. You always knew you were part of it, and you could walk up to him and say, Gene, I've got an idea about this. And he'd say, oh, if he was talking to somebody else or was doing something, he said, okay, let's get, uh, uh, let, we'll talk about it. Now, I work for a lot of directors, and when they say, oh, yeah, we'll talk about it, they never <laughs> talk about it. You know, it was like, yeah, right. Uh, but it's like when it's like when dad says we'll see we'll see <laughs> during the production of star trek or or offset since you knew gene outside of star trek mm-hmm. did you and he ever talk about kind of what the big picture was oh, and it, god. Did, did he oh god did, yeah i mean did, did he sort of have this idea of what Star Trek meant in the big picture, what he was trying to say? Did he see it as a platform? Life in general. Uh, uh, the man was bigger than life itself, you know. And he was really this humble kind of, well, <laughs> the kid knows he wasn't humble. <laughs> but um, he was very down to earth when he knew something needed to go this way which was his way, um, 
he wouldn't budge from there, no matter whether it was uh, the studio or, you know, they wanted to get rid of me after, you know. Well, it's very nice. We've used uh, a black actress and that this. Now they wanted to get uh, a, a white actress for my role when, it, when they bought it for wow. the series. So they, so they were ready to can you and hire a white actress to come in uh, and play this role. Yes, because number one, uh, I think I did two or three episodes and Jean let me out for um, a commitment that I had before I'd even signed a contract. And it was uh, a, a pretty large uh, commitment, you know, it was pretty pretty important to me. And that's why I think people would just work with him any way they could get to work with him because because he was he had that much understanding and it wasn't like well this is what we're doing this is you know this this uh, project supersedes everything if he if if there were a way for him to let you do other projects uh, without totally interfering with his. Right. Um, he'd sit down, talk to you about it, and give you advice, and all, and or you could come and talk to him about it, and uh, and come away with even a stronger or better uh, understanding of what you're doing. But he was ready to stand up for you to keep you on the show. Oh. No, no he was not ready to, to stand up for me. He no. did. He, okay. <laughs> he, he says, uh, she goes and the show goes. Wow. And they've already signed it. So, now, do you think that the, this was, uh, was this a racially motivated thing that, that people at the studio he, said, get rid of her? No. The studio was ready to keep, you know, or, or change. Because they just did not have, uh, they did not see me as a solid part of that, that, that I could be changed as anybody else probably could have. But you couldn't change, so he told them, you can't change Captain Kirk. Or, uh, well, let's change Captain Kirk. Oh, no, we can't do that. He's all, you know, that's part of the, that's why we can't change Lieutenant Uhura. But it's interesting because there are so many episodes, particularly and in season one. And he would never say, that's why we can't change Nichelle Nichols. Uh, he would say, oh, you can't get rid of Captain Kirk? You can't get rid of Lieutenant Uhura. Well, there are places where they say, within the script, within the show, mm -hmm. Uhura, you're the only one who can do this. Yes. You're, you're key, you're integral. He got that written in. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Exactly. Good. And you were aware of that when you got that script and you would Absolutely. see that. And, and um, it was Jean who asked me to create my background. Mm -hmm. So I said I was from the United States of Africa. And when he would say, you're the only one who, you know, he would, he would use that from time, little places, but he would use that, that established me as strongly as uh, uh, Kirk or Spock or, or uh, what did Jimmy play? Scotty. Scotty, yes. 
you wouldn't say get another Scotty, right. you know, when he said, and that's what Gene would come back at them with. In preparing for this, I was trying to think of, I mean, we get so caught up in what Star Trek means historically. Mm-hmm. I was thinking specifically about you historically. I mean, I'm thinking of, forgive me if I'm using the incorrect term, African-American actors or, or black actors or however you want to say. I want to say, it, it's kind of, I mean, you're, <laughs> I Spy was one of my favorite shows when I was a kid and I only came to find out later and I was too, I mean, I, I was, wasn't born when I Spy came on the first time, but I only found out later that Bill Cosby's role in I Spy was, was historical because of, you know, what level he was on, you know, with his co-star Robert Culp as far as the, as far as the series goes. Am I right in thinking as far as women go? I mean, Uhura is, to that point, probably the, the most prominent African-American female on network television, right? Well, it, was a fir- it was a first, again, uh, as you're mentioning Bill Cosby and, that, and his role. It was a first. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and uh, we, we uh, um, recorded on the same studio and we would see each other and laugh about uh, together about being these firsts and 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 our these wonderful roles that, that an opportunity that we at the same time respecting this wonderful opportunity that we we had and um Roddenberry and what was the producer's name uh, Sheldon Leonard Sheldon Leonard produced um I Spy I think Yeah it was Sheldon Leonard they were very close, and they they were they were would laugh about um, the fact that they had these very different kind of shows from anything else, and that they were so popular. You know that they uh, to this day uh, they're they're being respected and, and followed, and, and hope hopefully that there's they're they're. they're uh, series would be as good but they learned a lot of people came to Gene a lot of uh, artists and and producers and writers came to Gene and said if it hadn't been for for you I probably never would been um, um, acknowledged in this industry did you ever experience any negative blowback just by being a black actress in a prominent position on a major show. Either they didn't dare. <laughs> I mean, whether fan mail or studio or anything. Oh, was there any um, negative? I, out of uh, hundreds of fan mail. Oh, <laughs> this is an interesting story about my fan mail. Once a week, they would bring on the on the show. Uh, while when when we were uh, on the set, uh, while we were breaking for them to do the lights or uh, you know change the lights or something, uh, and bring our fan mail, well, there would be this quite a few for for um, Captain Kirk and for Leonard, and then less for but up there for. Scotty, and then there'd be two or three for the rest of it. I'd have the three if somebody else had the one. 
So I'm walking, and I was excited about that. How nice. And, <laughs> and didn't think anything about it. So I'm walking down the uh, set one day, uh, coming from lunch or something, and the two young men behind me, and they're t- I'm, I'm pick up, they're obviously talking b- about me, and they said, well, I, well, I want to tell her. And um, the other guy said, well, I don't think we should, you know, maybe we shouldn't. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell Well, let's tell her. So I turned around and I said, tell me what? <laughs> Why don't you ever come and get your fan mail and pick up your own fan mail? And I said, well, I didn't even know you could. <laughs> I don't even know where you, where it is. So they said, well, I think you really should. And so I said, okay, why? He said, well, you know, a lot of time when they pick up the fan mail, there's, a, there's more than, than that. I said, oh, really? They said, you ought to drive on the set and pick it up from here, though. And I said, why? And they said, you'll see. And then they give me this big double bag full. And I took that home. And little me, my chest went out there. I must have been days reading all of the wonderful fan mail. And, and that early on, what were fans saying to you? What were they responding to? Uh, well, number one, it didn't occur to me that this was such a big deal, uh, my being on on there. But there was nobody who looked like me on any other show. And then I became aware of just the sheer magnitude of what Gene got away with. He was the first to do it. And they were ready for, waiting for him to collapse, waiting for people to write in and, you know, with complaints and everything. Well, he was getting a lot of fan mail and, and about my being on there, uh, but they weren't complaints. And so the network, uh, the, the, there's a difference between the head of the studio and the, uh, that, that everybody on the studio answered to, and the head of the network that we were on, which the studio, including the head of the studio, uh, bowed to. And one time the network people came out, and they were always... Uh, Telling Gene when he needed to do wanted to do something more with me. Uh, well, you know, it's not us; it's the network, and so we hated the network instead of these guys. Well, the network came out about the second season, and the first thing the head of the network said is, "Well, I've got this crush on Lieutenant Uhura. I want to meet Michelle Nichols." Nice. That nice. was the end of that nonsense, you know. And he came up to me and he said, I can't believe I'm meeting you. And I wanted to say, I can't believe I'm meeting you either. I thought you came to fire me, <laughs> but I didn't. And, and, uh, and when he left, they came on the set, and when they were getting ready to go, he said, um, I hope this is the an imposition, but could I have your autograph or my my uh, wife told me don't come home without it. <laughs> and his kids, so I just, I was like, wow, that's really, I mean, that was, that, that was beautiful, you know. 
And from there on, everything settled in, you know. It, I mean, the whole place didn't collapse because I was had a, <laughs> a, 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 a lead role and, and, and a continuous role. As we get to the end of season one, um, you famously had decided that you wanted to leave the show. Mm -hmm. You felt like there wasn't enough for you to do within the script? Uh, No, it wasn't that I felt that I wasn't doing enough um, because I I, I was just stunned and delighted to be on, you know, to be one one of the uh, main characters on on the deck of the Starship Enterprise. Mm -hmm. It was... um, that I had um, so many offers, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd always worked, you know, and I'd go to Europe and so forth, and that I weren't working in in uh, in uh, the states. I was always, uh, I was never out of work mm-hmm. if I wanted to be in work, and um, so I never had a problem about. Worrying about if Star Trek was not going to have me, but uh, it was my first on television having a TV role, and then that meant that everybody in the world was seeing, and the and of course offers came in like crazy from all over. I go to Gene and said, Gene, uh, he says, how are things going? And I said, just fine. He says, good, they better. And so um, I said, um, I just wanted to tell you I'm getting offers from all over. And he says, it's, oh, that's wonderful. It's too bad you can't take them. And I'm going, uh, um, <laughs> what you talking about, Gene Roddenberry? <laughs> and, and so he said, um, uh, didn't your agent tell you? And I said, tell me what? No, he hasn't told me anything. He said, um, we're offering you a contract, you know, for the coming year, for the coming season, uh, we're offering you a contract. And I said, oh, really? Because I got all these offers all over the world. He says, too bad you can't take them. <laughs> and... Uh, and so it was kind of a, a touch and go there for a moment. And then I really realized, are you crazy? <laughs> I would rather be on Star Trek. And then he made, um, I got billing, a better billing, and I got better roles. And and because I, I said to him, anybody can play that role. He said, anybody can play that role. Yeah, but nobody can play it like you. Now shut up <laughs> and sign the contract. Great. And that was the first time I had a contract. So then when you came back for season two, yeah, things were different? Things were better? Oh, my goodness. Well, when I, once I had that contract for season two, it put me in a place emotionally that I had no frame of reference to uh, prior to that. Um, I was part of a marvelous cast. I loved that. That was very important. I loved working with my um, cast members. 
including Bill Shatner. <laughs> okay, well, well, wait, I want to ask you about that. I want to ask you about that because it, this is something that I ask people from Star Trek to do every now and then. It's yes. just kind of a mental exercise. Yeah. Yeah. So I assume that a lot of our listeners have not worked in the industry, do not work in the industry. Some do. But I want to walk through sort of a typical day okay. on set. I want to know who you hang out with, and I want to know who you avoid. And I want to know what that dynamic what is like. What was the second question? Who you avoid. What's the dynamic avoid. like when you're oh. on set? Uh, because we hear things about everybody I know, in the cast. I know, but I... It, it's really weird. I didn't go through any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe because I I was so involved with my character and how to make it better and so forth. I not that I didn't see things going on, uh, but n- nobody had messed with me. <laughs> they would have really been <laughs> regretted it. But um, I just liked everybody. Because I was working, I was working on television. I was working, I was working on one of the best shows in in, in the industry. Everybody that I worked with, uh, as I as I always preface this with, including Bill Shatner, uh, were wonderful with me. We had, I think, because I took my my job seriously once I came on that set it was business and it was uh, studying how Uhura would respond to that and it always went back to how I created her because that was one of the things that Jean came to me and took me to lunch and um, we talked about uh, my role this was early when I first came on. He came in and we went in and we t- he said, I t- wanted you to come to lunch with me because I want to get away from the studio. I want to talk to you talk about the role. What do you think about it? Where, do we, where, do you want, where would you want it to go and so forth? And I'm, go, I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know. Um, and so we talked very seriously about it. And, and whenever I had an idea or concern I go to Gene at at the end of the day and and share it with him and he'd say let me think about it you know and and sure enough it he said he'd come and say I don't think it's worth your worrying about you know I said okay it's got from your mouth to my ears God's ears you know and she's listening you know <laughs> and I always felt very, very secure in, in, in that because I understood how he felt about every role and every actor, you know. And so I didn't listen to outside chitter-chatter, you know. I, I knew it was going on, you know. I was as curious as anybody else. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I wouldn't let it touch me concerning Uhura. We talked earlier about um, yeah, a few firsts. Uh, certainly one of the most, I don't know, I guess maybe one of the most famous firsts as far as you and uh, Star Trek would be 
uh, Plato's stepchildren and and the first interracial kiss seen on TV was there was there a big amount of import at the time I mean like like did you approach that script and say whoa this is big or did you approach that script and say oh here's what's happening with the characters I mean was was sort of the momentous nature of that understood a combination of that I can say yes it it wasn't like ooh, but it was like ooh, okay it was hmm. very interesting that okay that's a natural progression you know um the studio said ooh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the New York went that's interesting can we do that why not it's already shot well they came out for the shooting uh, so they called, called and said well we want to see it and they said oh well we're shooting it this Friday you know we're shooting it tomorrow make that Friday we're coming out I was nervous about it because I was thinking why are they coming out to just see that hmm you know and it came out because they were fans. People don't realize that people that put on shows, you know, top people in in uh, the industry in New York, you know, who have the yay and nay power, uh, are fans, can be fans or not, you know. But that won't save the show or kill the show. You know, it won't keep the show or break the show because they've got to, they've got thousands of people out there that are voicing their opinions, you know. But we had, um, Star Trek was just loved, you know. Some people didn't love the fact that it was loved. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I heard from some of the powers that be was that they were going to cancel the show and made the mistake of mentioning it over dinner. <laughs> and the family wouldn't speak to them until he changed his mind. <laughs> Can I ask a question that may seem a little out of order? Mm -hmm. In that scene in Plato's Stepchildren, the interracial kiss, mm -hmm. so the camera moves kind of behind the back of Uhura's head mm -hmm. and we see Kirk facing toward the camera and he, mm -hmm. he leans mm -hmm. down and they're, they're under the control of these oh, aliens. Oh God, the famous kiss. Okay. But, but here's the question. Mm -hmm. And this, this may seem like a weird question. Mm -hmm. Was there really a kiss? Was there really a kiss? Because from the camera angle, how many times from the, from really <laughs> from the camera angle, the, you, the way that it shot, are you, you kind kidding? Of can't you don't tell. know Bill Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm not saying I blame the guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If, if it hadn't been for Bill Shatner, there were enough. Once it was written and Gene took a breath because it was okayed. Then everybody got nervous about oh, having okayed it, the closer it got, to the point where, you know, like you, you shoot a scene and then you do a close-up of the scene. They didn't do that with everybody standing around, everybody relaxes a break while we do this uh, twosome and so forth. They did, finally did, they suddenly became all of this... Uh, 
noise <laughs> about it uh, that they didn't do that. They took it and waited till Friday and did our scene at the end of the show. So instead of being off by four or five, four o'clock, I was off at six o'clock. You know, it took up and so, and so there wasn't like all of the cast standing around looking or people coming from other other places. They dismissed us like we were all gone, and then we knew Bill and I knew <laughs> we were going to shoot that, and so um, that scene, and and um, I think that is the most. Um, professional well Bill was always joking you know about even about but on that it was he was the most serious that I've ever seen him and um, and and he was the most uh, um, protective of it and 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 then he he would kid me because gonna get you now okay <laughs> you know it was just wonderful it was the it was the most fun uh, that I had uh, even thought about him as you know because to me he was Captain Kirk and you did that your scene and then you went and you laughed off the set and that's you know like that but this was about what was going on on the set and this was a first it was really really a first for uh, his first interracial kiss on television. And as closer as it got to shooting it, the more everybody became aware. Someone said to me, are, are you concerned about this? And I said, no, my grandmother and grandfather did it all the time. They kissed all the time. What do you mean? <laughs> I look like my grandmother, and Bill looks like my grandfather. <laughs> we spent a lot of time talking about the TV series. I guess I want to talk about. I want to move us if we could towards the movies, but you've got a, you've got a decent sized gulf between when the TV series ends and when the movies begin. And I and and right in the middle of that, I guess you've got the very first. I mean, we didn't know what to call them. I don't think, but I guess you've got the first Star Trek convention. At that point, mm -hmm. talk to me about talk to me about what happens between when the TV series leaves the air and but before we get to the motion picture, what 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 happens to you and what happens to Uhura, uh, sort of in that time uh, from your perspective? Uh, the fans would uh, you could apply that to each and every uh, star in the show. What happened, be, you know, between that time between yourself and that character? Um, mm -hmm to all of us uh, nothing happened it just uh, exploded because the moment we went off the air the fans went bananas and created a Star Trek fandom we never lost track of one another because we were always going being invited to a Star Trek convention Star Trek was the first uh, television show um that uh, caused a convention about this uh, about the show. Now you hear about them for for a lot of shows that that 
picked up on it and fans did, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, fandom just refused to let the show die. It wasn't anything that we did other than be be grateful and be in the, you know, in the show and be grateful for the attention. But um, they were determined to bring the show back. And the rest is history. But it was all the fans. I, it was because we're, we're in this business, business and no matter how much you love what you're doing, at some point it's going to be the end of that series or it's going to the, the, the movie is over, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. you have a big party and you go on to your next job. But um, millions of fans had another idea. I do want to ask, I, uh, forgive me, I think a lot of us do this, but uh, I forgot, in between the, the live action series and the motion picture, uh, there was the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's it like to see yourself on Saturday morning? What's it like to turn on the TV and there's a cartoon of you walking around a cartoon of where you used to work? Well, I saw it first because I did the voices to her. Right. I thought she was wonderful. <laughs> I lo- I loved it. I just thought it was the greatest um uh tribute to 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 Star Trek to to a uh a, a, what's it called? The the, the animated series. The animated yeah. film. And I I just I thought it was just great. I thought it was just great and and at first, some of the actors, you know, went, I'm not doing the, I'm not going in the minute. And then they found out how much they were going to pay us. And, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody showed up. <laughs> I would have done it for free, but I was so glad they didn't know that. <laughs> Whatever we did, uh, Genius had that magic touch. He seemed to know, he knew his audience, and he knew where he could go from there. And so, and then he realized that the actors who were portraying the beloved characters were themselves uh, fans. We were fans of the show. So after the animated series, and you're, you're doing the conventions, mm-hmm. and that sort of keeping Star Trek alive, but then you start getting phone calls that there may be a, a new series and or a new movie. Did you think that they were kidding? I mean, did you think that this was possible to have a canceled TV series then become of course. a motion so, picture? So what? It never happened before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were first in everything. <laughs> so you were pretty confident. Oh, I was this very confident. Again. Yeah. I said, but of course, you know, they were going, can you imagine? I said, of well, I hadn't thought of it. I wish I had thought of it, but I, I, it, it's a natural progression to what uh, Gina's given. He gave so much to the world through Star Trek and its success and its characters. We were the first interracial ca- cast in anything that came on once a week, you know, um, on, on, and, and, Everyone just knew it was not going to last. It'll never happen. 
You know, it's an interracial cast. It'll never happen. We changed the face of television forever. We, Gene, <laughs> did it. But, uh, but, but we did through, he did through us, you know, through, through what he gave to television. And then everybody suddenly were following suit. And, and so you can say that he's responsible for where we are today in television. You just said some really nice things about Gene and it being his vision and his ideas mm-hmm. that we see on screen. Mm-hmm. Realistically, TV show movies are produced and created by a collaboration of people. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, are there other people that we're not either recognizing, not giving enough tribute to, or understanding their contributions as well to push forward that vision. Very much so. It was a total collaborative. But prior to that, there were very few shows that were collaborative. Gene is the first first, uh, producer uh, that had the power, you know, that developed that power. But it was always a collaborative as far in his mind. Um, he would come and talk to you for 40 minutes about the, what he thought about doing, whether it was with the other actors. He always came and talked to the actors uh, about their role, about the new episode, about what was going on, about what he had in mind. And and um, prior to that, and and I guess that's why you hear me saying Gene so much, is because he was as involved with uh, the success of it as having uh, um, beyond having written so well and created characters so well. A lot of times, the, the creator doesn't have that power. Um, uh, even the producer, so he was creator-producer, uh, have, don't have that power. It's the powers that be that pay the... <laughs> right, that have that power. But if you believe this, if you think about this, as I lived it, everybody on that uh, set were fans of the show. How did things change for you and for the character Uhura Mm -hmm. by the time you get into the movies? First, I'm going to address something that I thought you were talking about Mm -hmm. uh, when you said how did Uhura. It occurred to me that I named Uhura and uh, it was that luncheon that Gene took me to to talk to me about the role. And he wanted the role to not just be um, an ordinary role. And and I said, well, it looks like you're, you're talking about universal characters. And, and so he said, well, yeah, I'm, my character, they're from, Captain Kirk is from, the Midwest boy and, and so forth and so on. And I said, well, it's more than that, I think. I, I think it's from all over the world. 
and he looked at me, and I, I said, well, you have diverse characters. We're, you know, we're going to be going all over the place. Uh, why wouldn't uh, a character on on the Starship Enterprise be from other places? And I said, like my character. And he, he was sent, well, I wanted to talk to you about my character. I said, she's from the United States of Africa, and her name is Uhura, which is... <laughs> he, he said, his, and that hadn't been named before. You know, I'm just smarting off. <laughs> over lunch, <laughs> I'll have another vodka tonic, please. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, you really want my opinion? And I said, uh, I talked to him about it, and I said, she's not American. And he says, well, I don't want to. What do you mean? And I said, well, I think she's American, but her parents are from the United States of Africa. And it got real quiet, you know. He said, okay, I like it. Where do we go from here? And I just, I hadn't explored it more than knowing upstairs, you know, in, in my brain, what I was talking about. But suddenly it formed words. I said, her name is like freedom. It, it's Uhura. And he said, where did that come from? I said, from the word Uhuru, which means freedom in Swahili. And that's her native tongue. And I'm just going on and spouting. <laughs> and he said, you really know this character? And I didn't go, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. You know, I, just, I suddenly realized that I, what I had just done. And I waited for him. I, I shut my mouth until I knew how he felt about it. And he said, I love it. Then I had to create a, uh, a lifestyle. And, and, and these were her grandparents, and this is what happened to her when she came. And, this is, and, and then I said to him, <clears throat> oh, by the way, the entire cast of this old Starship Enterprise is from somewhere other than that because we're gone where no man or woman has gone before. So it would have to be the best of everybody. And and uh, he just started laughing at me, and he said, and that's who I cast, <laughs> talking about all of us, you know. I know you said, you, you were kind of joking, saying, well, you knew it was going to be a movie because there were so many firsts. I'm assuming there must have been a big difference walking onto the set of a movie as opposed to walking onto the set of the TV series. Did Truly. did the motion picture make it feel like, okay, I know we've had conventions, we've had the cartoon, we've had the TV series, okay, but now, I mean, this is getting real. <laughs> I mean, is there... Talk to me about, I mean, does that change sort of your thinking about Star Trek the first time you find out this is going to be a motion picture? Uh, I think I always knew it was going to be a motion picture because as far as I was concerned, it was a full-blown motion picture every episode. Mm. Any, you could have taken any episode and, and uh, expanded it to a full-blown um, movie. Um, the elements were... That's why I believe that the show was so popular and, 
and so successful is because I don't think there was an episode in which um, each and every aspect of it was attended to like a major motion picture. I know this is not this is not nice. It's like saying you're not supposed to ask a parent which is their favorite child. But when we move into the motion pictures, do you do you have, have one? I'm sorry. Say again. We all know they have one. Oh yeah, absolutely. I have a friend who tells the story about that. He he will regularly ask his mother, "Who's your favorite?" And she'll say, "Oh, you know, I don't have a favorite. It's your brother." But exactly. So in in the motion pictures, I mean, in all the movies, I mean, is there is there a favorite for you? Of the movies? Mm-hmm. Each and every last one of them. Okay. <laughs> well, now you just told especially me that that's not a real answer, though. Especially in which were had a major role. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, I used to tease Gene about it. I said, um... Uh, uh, I would have, if he'd asked me what my favorite role was, I said any time Uhura got to say something beside hailing frequencies open, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, honestly, I think... Like and that, and that got Uhura uh, more attention. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> they did a, uh, I think it was for Star Trek... The Voyage Home, they did this fantastic thing where you could call a 900 number. It was 50 cents. And you could call a 900 number and you would hear a message from one of the uh, from one of the cast of the Enterprise. And my mom wouldn't let me call more than one time um, because, you know, it's 50 cents. And I didn't have 50 cents, so I was allowed to call once. How and, many, and, how and, many and, did you sneak in there? No, just the one. But I'll tell you, I still remember it. It was Lieutenant Uhura. Yeah, talking about uh, talking about the fear that she had heard. I mean, you show up. You show up for a thirty second message. I mean, I I still remember the read. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, it was that was kind of a neat thing. It was one of the first times it felt like that you could actually you were kind of breaking the wall between you know what was going to be on the screen and 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 sort of your real life. But yeah, I I didn't feel ripped off at all. My my message was from Uhura, and I was completely happy. Oh, that is so cool. That is so cool. <laughs> Communications officer. <laughs> yep, and you could just call her up on the phone. Hey, you know, it was, it was a wonderful time that we, uh, that we had moved into. As we're recording, we're beyond the series. We're beyond the animated series. We're beyond the original cast movies. And we're starting to see, well, there's, there's Spock on screen, but that's not Nimoy. And there's, there's you know... Kirk on screen, but that's not Shatner, and 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 there's Uhura, but that's not Nichelle Nichols. As we start to remake some of Star Trek, well, I guess how does that how does that sit with you? How are you feeling about that as we move to a to a new group of people, uh, sort of walking around in your clothes? <laughs> I want them to clean those clothes and get them back to me immediately. <laughs> uh, um. I think it's appropriate because nothing stands still. And unless you were going to take, which is, would be very interesting, the characters on to our, with our ages, uh, you know, if you're going to keep it with 
in in the same on the on the um, the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, mm-hmm. then then that's fine. That then you have to change, you know, re- recast. But if you're going to go from the point in time that the show came on when we were just starting out on our five-year mission and go beyond that, then you've got to go to my age, which is Lulu. And... <laughs> 32. I'm sitting across from her, Ken. She's 32. She would always be 32. But if you're going to go um, with the original cast... Uh, then it would have been very interesting to see because because I'm thinking of of the cast and you would have the loss of of some and then you mm-hmm. would have to have the replacement or not whatever you know and um, I think that would have been very interesting too you know it brought the entire cast along time wise. I want to ask you, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, as of recording this show, we're barreling toward the 50th anniversary of the premiere of Star Trek. And Star Trek actually goes back further than that because you had the original pilot, and of course Gene was in development before Mm -hmm. that, but we're we're getting to that kind of like landmark Mm -hmm. uh, place. What do you think are the key takeaways? What, What do you think are the the main points that Star Trek is trying to make about us as humanity, mm-hmm. about how we treat each other, about what the future will be like. What What do you think that maybe it's Gene, maybe it's just Star Trek as a it whole is trying to say? Gene's vision. Um, and I think had he had his way and had lived long enough uh, we would be still. We still would be living long and prospering, um, and he would have, uh, I believe, not tried to keep it in that same uh, um, time slot, but he would have moved on because we've done some pretty. We the actors have done some pretty marvelous things with our lives. I can not I can only see that Uhura and uh, Kirk and Spock and company would have done the same. And and I believe and and I would be very interested in where he would have taken that. When Gene set out to make Star Trek, he was doing things that were for lack of a better word, bold. Mm-hmm. Putting an interracial cast on TV, he mm-hmm. was telling stories that had moral points. And what, what do you think, when we look back at Star Trek, what were those things that Star Trek was trying to say to its audience? Number one, uh, I don't think Gene was trying to say it. I think he said it <laughs> um, at... Uh, I was going to say ad nauseum, that's an assisted expression, but um, that means infinitely. Uh, he did some incredible things. And what I think the most incredible thing 
that he did with creating these characters instead of trying to present them, because knowing Hollywood, they're not going to let you, uh, present them on, on, and on, and grow. Um, he left it to your imagination. We know, they know, the audience knows who each and every one of us uh, characters, who keep let us develop such powerful characters that that our audience knows knows as probably better than we do where we're going, where where who we are and where we're going. If that answers your question, I'm not sure that it does. I, I think the the characters evolve over time. The audience mm-hmm. knows the characters, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm trying to think beyond that to to the 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 moral, the philosophical points that are there in Star Trek that that are really speaking to an audience. You know, one thing is that racial diversity mm-hmm. that there is some some harmony presented in the future of how and, we work and together. And do not be, do not think that that Gene's vision did not change, had everything to do. Do not think that it did not have everything to do with changing a society. If it, if you're free enough to put it on television, I'm free enough to put it in my life. If I love it there, and constantly people are doing it with uh, shows not as gr- anywhere near as great as Star Trek. Smaller things touch people if they love it. They go out and buy a dress to look like it, or they buy, it, it affects fashion, it affects uh, food, it affects everything we do in life, depending on how, much, how it affects the person, you know. And uh, I think that's something that Gene knew before the studios really realized the the magnitude of what they see, what we see on television, uh, depending on on uh, what it is, how it affects it affects our life. It affects how we think because if it a if it's done well, you look at it and you go, that's what I mean. See, that's what I mean. It's there for us. I think that's something that he he knew, instinctively or deliberately, you know, or with matter of forethought. And he had both. There are people who have, I know, I, I assume this has happened to John. I know it's happened to me. There are people who laugh at how seriously I take some of the ideas that are presented in Star Trek. Do you feel like, I mean, do you feel like the cast and do you feel like Gene? I mean, you guys were you guys were planting a seed, right? I think Gene certainly knew that. <laughs> um, I think uh, depending on on who, which one you're talking about of the cast, uh, came to know. I knew instinctively because uh, I'm my father's daughter, mm. and he would have known exactly. I knew instinctively what Gene was doing and the gift that he was giving 
humanity. Uh, when I say that, I may, I'm not being facetious or, or complimentary. I'm just saying that he knew who, what he was talking about, and he put it down on paper, and then he put it on film. And then those who were open looked on and saw Star Trek, and some said, oh, what an interesting, entertaining show. And others, maybe less and more and more and more, um, said, that's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about. That's where I'm going. That's the way life is or should be. That's what my life is going to be. Those are the smart people, and those are the ones who listen to our show. That's right. <laughs> That's right. There you go, baby. Hey, um, you had such a personal closeness to Gene, and mm -hmm. I, I wanted to ask something without bringing our show down, but uh, I read recently that when he passed away in 91, mm -hmm. you wrote and performed a song for his funeral, mm -hmm. uh, for his memorial service called Gene. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to ask you about it. I wanted to ask what what was the what was the message in that song? What what were you saying with that song? Are the, are the impetus for? Well, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just give us a little background and tell us about the. Um, Gene was the impetus. Everything I knew about him, and when they asked me to sing at his funeral, I thought, "There's no song." Um, that could portray him that other than you know wonderful person incredible man what and and I just sat down and I started writing I didn't intend to I you know well, well I'll have to write this you know um, but suddenly it was everything about the man and I I only touched uh a portion of it but I realized there was no one song that I could sing that not that it wouldn't have been fine but everybody does that but I wanted this I wanted it to be Gene and so I wrote Gene and the, I put on the top of the page G-E-N-E -E, and then I went uh, okay. <laughs> now what? And and it wrote itself. So again, I mean, all of the different uh, permutations that Star Trek has been going through, and then of course we have the new films now with the new cast and and JJ uh, Abrams sort of uh, spearheading that. Everybody gets to rewrite Star Trek in a way. So so let me. You've got. This is your pitch meeting. You're going to now say, okay, I've got this great idea, and here's what happens to Uhura five years, ten years, fifteen. But when you stop and play with the character, and you've got this, you know, like a whole new, you know, uh, set of, of, of toys with which to play, what do you see, what would you like to see happening to Uhura down the road? Oh. If I answered that question, it would be limiting Uhura. Hmm. Because Star Trek has... Star Trek lives. You've heard that more than once. Yeah. Um, and because Star Trek lives, it doesn't 
stop. So each time that Star Trek has a new cast, it lives in its own permutation, I think. I think it doesn't end, if that makes any sense. It is as large and as huge and as far-reaching and as, as life is itself. So it doesn't end with what, what Nichelle Nichols uh, decides it, where it goes or doesn't go. Mm-hmm. Because for Nichelle Nichols, it doesn't stop. Each each one each person who creates who gets who's honored with getting the opportunity to portray Uhura or Spock or Kirk or any of the characters has a, perhaps a new vision. It might not be to each and every person's liking, but it won't be to each and every person's distaste either. And so I think that I'm honored because each person, even if I don't agree with their impression of it, Mm -hmm. has a vision. Uh, And I'm responsible for that vision being there because, well, Gene Roddenberry is, bless his heart, because he casts me to create the character. And when I created the character and took it to him, he was almost blown away. He said, it's how I would have wanted to create her. He gave me almost a blank sheet of paper with the thing. I named the character. I created her. She comes from the United States of Africa. Her parents... I went from who her parents were, her grandparents, their expectations of her were, how she was honored and had uh, the responsibility for creating her life as, as her parents, grandparents, and would have expected her to, without limiting her to their expectations. If I'm hearing you correctly, then you don't you don't see an end goal for Uhura. You just want to see her keep flying. Uh, it's not an okay fine. If you mess with Uhura, it's not okay fine with me. But <laughs> but uh, but if you're a creative person and you get to play Uhura, then you get to bring into that entity the best of you. And if you do that. Um, then you've got the best of Uhura. So where, where's Uhura? She's sitting right here in front of you. Everything that I've done with my life and will continue to do with my life, she's done. She will do. She will do in her way because I breathe life into her and um, I would expect no less. J.J. took me to lunch and he says, you must come back on the set. And I said, oh, I wouldn't have it any other way. And so they had chairs, a chair for him and me. And then Saldana came on the set, and she 
nobody, he had not told anyone I was coming on. So when I walked on the set, people were going, <laughs> as a matter of fact, there was one guy uh, working on the set, and, and there were, were um, cables on the ground. And he had he was just looking down. He said, don't step on that. He says, uh, you'll not. And he looked up, up in the, oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he saw me step across it, but I said, "Of course." And he so he looked up and he's, "Oh my God!" <laughs> he's going, "I'm telling you, it was wonderful. It was wonderful." We went on the set, and um, I'm Saldano. Mm-hmm. So she cool. comes on and she sits, and and she sees me and she goes. <gasps> You know, nobody told me you were going to be... We became, you know, like... They brought a, a, a tall chair for her to sit beside me, and we sat and talked. And we, she stopped being nervous, you know. And I, we had the time of our life, you know, sitting up. And so I stayed way longer than I had intended to because they wouldn't let me leave. Uh, and they were setting up for uh, something from way up above that they were going to be shooting from down, so it took longer time. And we got to talk, and she would ask me questions about Uhura. And she got to have one question. I said, well, then that's up to you, though. I don't know. I can't tell you about that. And she says, but you're Uhura. I said, of course I'm Uhura. So are you. <laughs> and 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 she said, but but and I said, Uhura's in all of us. Just the, it, whatever you loved in that character that you saw is in you, and it's up to you to aggrandize that or not. You know, take it that to that next step because I don't know what she's going to do until she does it. She doesn't tell me all the time. And she laughs so hard. <laughs> Uhura doesn't tell you. Who does she tell? I said, you're the Uhura. <laughs> and, and she really thanked me. She said it, it really liberated me, you know, to, to talk with you. And I said, I just gave her to you, that's all. I put her in your hands, and I, I believe she's in good hands. So, Ken, at the beginning of the interview, I said that I was sitting across the table from Lieutenant Uhura, and I guess straight from her mouth now, I I am sitting across the table from Lieutenant Uhura. Indeed you are. Hailing frequencies are all open. <laughs> 